Hello and welcome. I'm Max Finder and this is Living 30, a podcast for people in their 30s trying to make this the best decade ever. Our 30s are a pivotal time. We spent our teens and 20s trying everything. We now have a better idea of who we are and what we want, and it's time for us to go after it. We've experienced education, both formal and informal, career success and career failure, love and heartbreak, and maybe even some births and deaths. Living 30 is devoted to gathering innovative approaches, deep insights, and lessons learned around topics like health, work, relationships, and more. Visit living30.blog and stay tuned for more interviews, articles, and to join the Living 30 community. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Living 30. I'm here with Effie Rinsky. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Effie. Yeah, thanks for having me, Max. Effie Rinsky has worked as a bagel maker, statistics professor, and for one, as he terms it, misguided year, a street musician. I like that that was more misguided than the bagel maker year. Well, I was a little younger for the bagel maker. For the bagel maker. Yeah. Uh, He's released two novels with HarperCollins at age 32. It's pretty impressive under the name um, Easy Rinsky. The first is called Palindrome. It was shortlisted for the International Thriller Writers Award for Best Debut Novel and has been translated and published in the Czech Republic for some reason that you don't necessarily even know. It's just randomly... Well, I mean, so basically the, sta- the practice is that when you get a book published, you know, they, your, your agent or your publisher is going to send it out to all the international markets and see if anybody bites. And for some reason, the Czechs bid on this book. They love your thriller. Yeah. Or at least the publisher did. I don't know if the check. I don't know how the check people felt about it. Right. Why? Why thrillers? How did you get into writing thrillers? So, uh, first of all, I don't really read many thrillers. I don't read like a lot of mysteries. Um, what happened was, I'd written a couple of manuscripts before uh, Palindrome got published, and I realized that, like, my biggest problem I was having as a writer was that I wasn't keeping things focused on the plot like things were sort of veering off and like in, in tangents and stuff like that like there wasn't uh, it wasn't like a focused enough tight story and so I thought if I write like a mystery it kind of forces you to do that because it's got a clear like the whole thing's focused around a very clear uh, question a very clear res- like it, it's obvious that it somehow has to resolve in the end so I sort of did that uh, as a way to force myself to uh, be a little more on track so what were you writing before you decided to get into thrillers? So, like what genre, I guess? Yeah. Um, so the first manuscript, I won't call it a book because it never turned into a book, but the first manuscript that I wrote uh, was, I think I was, I guess I was 22 or 23 when I wrote this. That's pretty impressive. You, 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 you went to college? I went to college. And then graduated and decided to write a manuscript. Pretty much first thing. Uh, what happened was, um, <laughs> so I was finishing my uh, my like uh, master's degree. It was I was studying like finance and economics, and uh, I had sort of a quarter life crisis. I was like, I was like I, I had like a few 
months before I finished it because I thought, you know, it was like I wanted to be like a banker or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, like I hate this. I hate everybody I'm working with. I hate all this like shit. So I had the quarter life crisis. Uh, I became, I started, so was like, uh, started traveling around playing music on the street. Where were you traveling? Uh, I played a while in uh, Boston, New York, and Boulder, Colorado. Just like kind of staying at friends' houses and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, they loved that. Um, and then... Uh, what kind of... What instrument? Okay. So, um, so I'm a pianist, but uh, obviously, like, getting piano out on the street is pretty... It's pretty daunting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I got a glockenspiel. Sure, that's yeah. the natural. Obviously, that's the yeah. next step that I would go to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, most people would th- think of it as a xylophone, but uh, a little bit of trivia here: if it's metal, it's technically a glockenspiel. <laughs> Xylophones have to be wood. I'm sure. I'm sure this was. A, Our listeners are, yeah. are after this kind of info. I'm glad to. I'm glad to clear up that misconception Thank for, you. for your for your audience. Um, so I got a glockenspiel because I like, figured I already know how to play a keyboard. And this, like, you know, it's the same key layout. Um, and uh, I uh, I taught myself to play that with my feet while I played banjo with my hands. Um, Bit of a street spectacle. So that exactly, had to, uh, exactly. Taking some money, right. I guess. You know, like, there's millions of schmucks out there playing guitar and crooning or whatever. So I said, it's all about having some kind of spectacle that people are going to stop and watch you. Right. It's so, all about differentiation. Yeah, right. Uh so I did that, um, which parenthetically is like far harder than any other like job that I've ever had to do. Interesting. Yeah. Like, f- I mean, for one thing, it's physically brutal. You know, you're sitting there and in my case, uh, it's, it's very exerting on, my, on your calves. <laughs> this, this motion, like I was having to hit the calf machine in the, you know, the calf machine. Yeah. Like the, so I was like having to get my calves big. You were working out in like to to prepare yourself to do yeah glockenspiel <laughs> glockenspieling with your feet. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, and then you're sitting all day. You got to keep the energy up. Uh, it's like emotionally draining. You know, you got to be happy. It's emotionally draining. You know, sometimes you're not making any money. It's uh, so it's all downhill from there. Yeah, that's I mean, the- that that's far and away the hardest job you ever had. Uh, in many ways, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. More drained after a shift on that than anything else. Right. So if you're ever having a, a, a quarter life, midlife crisis or whatever, go play music in the street yeah. and everything will seem like, uh, better from there. Yeah. Amazing. So I did that for, I don't know, maybe, I don't remember, half a year or something like that. And then, then, uh, it's going to be winter. So who, you know, who, who would have seen that coming? Right. Right. <laughs> It's always as if the weather changes on a seasonal basis. Right. Uh, so I was like, well, fuck, I'm not going to go sit in the subway. All right, I'm not going to go underground. That's just like the whole point of this was that it was going to be like, a, you know, it was going to be free, liberated and stuff. Like, you know, there's nothing worse than like putting myself underground, sitting in the subway for uh, the Right, you become an underground person at that point. Yeah, and like at that point, it's sort of hard to justify not just going and working in a bank or something. Right, <laughs> at least they're point. above ground and you maybe have a window at the bank. 
Yeah, yeah. In, in a building. Right. During the summer, I could say, hey, look, I'm outside. You know, it's fun. I'm sitting in the park, this and that. But anyway, so winter. So I said, okay, this is, and I'm done with this. Like, this obviously isn't going anywhere. Shocking. Yeah. yeah not a lot of, not a lot of upward mobility in that, <laughs> that field. So I decided, I said, I got a lot of stories about this. Uh, I read a lot. I'm a pretty good writer. So I wrote a manuscript um, about... Uh, kind of the stories that I, like, kind of about the last uh, eight, nine months that I spent doing that. So that was the first full-length manuscript that I wrote. Was Amazing. About, was about that. And, then, and you try to get it published? I did. And so you wrote a few, did you write a few more manuscripts after that, and they were not thrillers, they were yeah. based on your life or something like that? Doesn't that go against the thing, write what you know? I mean, you were writing what you knew. So... The first one was the first one was uh, about me, um, and I feel like uh, yeah. So the right way you know, there's some obviously that there's something to that. Like that's a that's like a very wise quote for a reason. But at the same time, I feel like uh, most writers like you got to get the book about yourself out of your system. Like for the vast majority of people, nobody gives a shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like. Uh, it's it's real like hubris to think someone's gonna want to read about like your experiences for like three hundred pages. Right. Like, they want they're gonna want to spend hours and hours with you climbing into your life. Yeah. Um, right. Like it's hard enough to like I walk up to a stranger in a coffee shop and start talking to myself. They're gonna get bored or freak out and walk away. Right. So why would they want to spend that much time? So so wait. So that that's interesting. Like you, you if you were advising somebody who wants to get into writing. Is it something that you would say to them, like, write a book about you, get it out of your system, throw it in the fucking garbage, and then move on? <laughs> um, in many ways, yeah. Like, look, some, some people write amazing stuff about themselves. Some people have, like, fantastic true stories, and that ends up being, like, way more profound than any fiction that anybody writes. So, obviously, all these writing rules or whatever is all fluid and bullshit and whatever but I definitely feel like a lot of times it's the mark of an early stage writer that they want to make themselves understood like it's about they got to get something out of their system which again is like super healthy right I think that it's like a psychologically like healthy thing to do but um, I feel like usually usually I don't want to generalize too much, but in my case anyway, the more, uh, my writing improved a lot when it stopped being about me, hmm. when it stopped being about like, uh, uh, when I could, you know, fiction. See, it's interesting. I, I actually, for some reason I'm obsessed with stand up comedy, but not in necessarily consuming it, but also in the craft and the process by which they create. And they continue to, I think draw from their life experience because they have something to get off their chest and something to say. Yeah. Um, I guess it's different for writers or maybe fiction writers. Uh, or no, again, we're generalizing anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't want to, you yeah. know, like, there's some fucking great memoirs out there. Right. Like, but uh, even in stand-up, I mean, personally, I feel like the really transcendent stand-up is the stuff where people are making observations about the world. It's not about... Themselves. It's not about them. Fine. You know I mean? It's the lens. It, it's their lens. Yeah. By which they look at the world. 
Right. So I guess we're talking about the world. Yeah. So I guess you okay. So I guess you could say that there's a lot of people who talk about themselves, but it's not really about themselves. Maybe. Right. Okay. So that's yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, I'll cool. rev- I'll revise that anyway. Uh, so then, I mean, that's how you transitioned into thrillers. You decided. I don't have a story here, right? The, the things you wrote after yourself, it was tough to get a full kind of arc of a story, and so you... Well, that was one problem with writing about myself. The second is that, yeah, I mean, like, frankly, uh, at least, you know, if, unless you were like, uh, like a blood diamond like or poacher or whatever, then your, right. your life doesn't really fit into a very neat narrative arc. Right. So you got to stretch the truth and shit, and... Uh, to make, you know, to make it interesting, like, let's be honest, most days, you know, you like, you get up, go to the gym, go to work, like, it's not a fucking story. Right. <laughs> so, uh, um, and then there's also the image, there's also the issue of, like, uh, and this is, maybe this is a, maybe this is a me issue, but there's the issue of, like, how am, how am I coming off, you know, and I'm writing about myself, like, when I'm the central character, um, uh, at least this is me in my insecure 20s. Right. It's like, well, what do I want people to think that I am? Wait a minute. So let's unpack that for a second. Like, you become self, self-conscious and insecure about how you're, how you're portraying yourself to the world. Yeah. And is that something that in your 30s has gotten... Like, you're, you're more secure with who you are and you don't give a shit as much about how you portray yourself? Or how people interpret it, rather, like it's for them to interpret. Is that something that's evolved? Um, it's a good question. So, yeah, in my in my early twenties, writing this book, I was really, definitely, very concerned with like how I, as the writer and narr- narrator, was coming off. Is there is there an example that comes to mind, or no? Um. <laughs> if there isn't, I mean, it's kind of an opaque thing to even be talking about. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, just this is a, this is a very like a general thing, but like you definitely want to make yourself come off as super smart. You you, you found <laughs> yourself naturally portraying yourself as very intelligent. Yeah, like to the point of like you know writing make. make that my the way I was writing was like quote unquote more intelligent than like the way that I actually think or talk because you you want to make sure that your persona is like you know like a literary I'm a literary guy here right you know um, I uh, I'm not sure what it'd be like to try to write like a memoir at this point uh, I do definitely feel more secure in like my persona and whatnot but. When I write short things now that are from that are real life, uh, and I, I don't I don't do a lot. I don't think I would ever write a whole manuscript about it again. But um, you know Isaac Bashevis Singer. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of him. What's your favorite book? Uh, I actually just read like uh, like years ago. I had the Library of Congress like edition of like all his short stories. Okay. And I just I don't even know which ones are through which, but. When I read those, it really kind of, uh, I read those after I tried to write this about myself and it really blew my mind because I'll, like half his stories are about him, 
but uh, he's just like this totally impartial narrator that's just telling you what's going on around him. And uh, at, that really like that really struck me. And I was like, this is really... Um, when I write from about something myself now, that's how I try to write. It's like it's not going into me. It's like just like being like, this is what I saw. This is like... Uh, it's not like a, you know, dear diary. I had to like uh, get this off my chest. All right. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the world, but through your lens to, to yeah. some degree. Right. Um, and so so you're more secure in your thirties, and at the same time you switch genres, and start trying to craft a story with a with a a more complete kind of thread. I mean. Yeah. So after that first manuscript didn't get published uh obviously at the time i was you know i was cranking out i thought it was i thought it was genius <laughs> and it turns out it's a you know looking back it's like a steaming pile of shit right uh so it's like okay but you know now i get it now i know how to write a book so it actually ended up writing um two more full-length manuscripts uh and a short story collection that all those didn't get published before i wrote something that 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 did um but yeah there were those were all uh mostly fiction there's a few short stories that were i think that's amazing so you're you you've been public this is what i love is that people is like okay easy rinsky's published two books but you've written six or something yeah like it took four books to get to the point where you wrote a book that was publishable right i definitely look at those as like i mean learning experiences like obviously at the time I didn't obviously at the time I thought it was like cranking out the next great American novel right now I with a little in hindsight I can see you know some there's like they're they shouldn't have been published you know they're like unpublishable right but uh do you think in 10 years you'll look at today's stuff that you're making and be like this is also crap <sighs> I think about that a lot um because you have this 10 years prior yeah hindsight so you i mean it makes sense that maybe it would happen right it that's a it's a good it's a really good question uh obviously i'd like to think the answer is n no. no right um the only you know I, I guess the only like way i can answer it objectively is just based on like feedback i've gotten from the books and like people tell me people tell me they like them people like not i don't care about joe schmo but people whose like taste i respect uh, like them in some ways actually so that fear that fear is is one end of the spectrum the other fear on the other side is that I'll never be able to write anything that good again right <laughs> um, right like you you succeeded in your goal to some degree yeah was your goal to become a published author um, it's such a weird thing to look back on this like period of like years and years where I was like writing really intense I still am but like this but without success um, and like what I was actually trying to get I think I think honestly like I had this image of like I'd be able to be rich and like just be able to like write all day right um, if probably 10 minutes of research in the publishing industry probably would have dissuaded <laughs> that, that, that's that's very long fantasy, yeah. but uh, um, yeah. And then at some point, the goal was just to publish this stuff. That 
The truth is, I think today, and it took me a long time to realize this, but the, and this is certainly how I feel about it today, is that the publishing is important because I really like the act of writing a lot. Like that's, it's like, that's the real pleasure. It's like, but if you're not publishing it in the end, it feels kind of stupid. There's no end purpose. Like there's no finish line basically. Right. You gotta, you gotta, I need to anyway, have some sort of finish line in the future that I'm imagining that I'm working towards. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's easy to just kind of to just look up and think, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I'm just like, if I'm just writing this for myself, uh, you know, I'm having fun, but um, I need to see some kind of uh, end goal that gets me excited. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I prepared a question actually to ask you, you know, I'm curious if you had enough money, because you have a day job, right? Yeah. So if you had enough money to not have the day job, would you have, would you be writing all day? Cause that is the true pleasure. So when I lived in New York and I was, I was, uh, um, writing all these manuscripts that didn't go anywhere. I was teaching, uh, at university in the mornings and writing in the afternoons and, um, or even like there were some days where I didn't even have to go into the office or anything. So I was trying to write like five, six hours a day. And uh, today I have a day job. Um, and so I write for an hour and a half or really realistically an hour and a half in the mornings before work. And it's turned out to be uh, really optimal for me. Like um, I realized that... Creatively. Creatively, like I realized that that first hour and a half is like the real cream of what I'm going to do in the day anyway. Yeah. And the rest of it, you know, can be kind of empty. And if I do do something, it's not up to par. And then I'm exhausted and angry at myself because I didn't get enough work done. So this way, I stop when I'm still in the flow. And then I'm, you know, excited to get back into it every morning. And then I, but during the day, you know, my day job, I'm not, um, it doesn't have to take up my headspace. And then I can come to it fresh every morning. And if if a million bucks fell in my lap tomorrow, it would be very, I'd be very scared to try to write full time. Because it's lonely. I don't think, again, I don't think I could write much more than I do right now. So you would occupy the bulk of your day with something else anyway? Yeah. Maybe I'd give another half hour, hour to writing, but yeah. I don't think there's much more I can milk out of myself. Yeah. I'm not a writer by any stretch, but if I like, I try to write blog posts and stuff like that, and it's definitely a skill I want to improve. And the best time for me also is if I wake up, make a coffee, and sit down and start writing. Because I can just create shit without kind of, without even my, my own brain second guessing myself and editing as I go. I sort of just. Mm get everything out on the page and I can edit it later in the day when I'm have like a more critical sort of, you know, hat on or whatever. Um, and so I agree, like for me, not, again, now I'm not a writer, but anytime I do want to write something, the best time is like the first thing in the morning. Do you generally feel like you have like the best creative energy for not just writing for everything in the morning? I, th- I think, I actually think that I'm, I'm like still kind of waking up so I'm less judgmental about myself, about the thing that I'm creating. Uh, interesting. 
So yeah, and there's less distractions, obviously. So that's another factor. But I think one of the main things is that, you know, you got up early to do this thing anyway. So you just kind of, you might as well just fucking create and get stuff out on the page. And then you can look at it and judge it and, and critique it later or whatever. But how early are we, are we talking here? Well, it depends. Man. Okay. I mean, um, it depends on my schedule. Okay. Um, but I try to get up decently early in the sevens or eights. Um, I don't know how early that is. What, what time do you start working versus writing? Uh, I got to get the office around 10. I set my alarm for 6.43 every morning. Why 43? I don't know. It's just that's what it's what it ended up being. Yeah. And uh, But I usually snooze. Uh, how, <laughs> how long anyway. do you snooze for? So this is this is like uh, I don't know lately I sometimes snoozing half hour forty minutes, then I exercise, then I. What do you do for exercise? Um, so I used to go to the gym down the street here, and I actually recently uh, just got into. I never thought I would do this, but I got into like a YouTube series of like a you know like a workout series, yeah. like one of these coaches, and I just do it in the apartment, and it's it's great. Like I'm uh, I'm. Uh, it's because you know when you're working out by yourself, you get lazy. You know you do some sets, you feel, feel alright, but you're not really pushing your heart rate up because it's just hard to have that discipline. Um. So, yeah, I do that. I think we we're talking about this before uh, before we started recording about kind of getting pissed at yourself. So there's like a there's a if I if I sleep too late in the morning, even like ten minutes too late to the point that I'm not sitting down and writing at eight. I get pissed. You, your, your objective is to try to be writing by eight at a cafe. Right. Having been worked out, showered, and sitting down. Right. Because you feel the best. I mean, that, that moment right there, you feel fucking amazing. After having worked out, caffeinated, showered, boom, you can do anything. Right. To the point that I, for years now, I haven't even tried to write if I don't exercise first. Really? Yeah. It took me a long time to realize that there's, I just I can't do it. Right. I'm useless all day. If I don't exercise, and and you you have to exercise in the morning, otherwise, like you wouldn't necessarily exercise at all in the afternoon or evening. Uh, it just seems kind of like sometimes I play basketball in the evenings, but it just seems kind of pointless to me. Like the whole point for me of exercising is to feel good enough that I can write, and so and I'm not gonna. I don't think it would be nearly as effective to like write and like exercise in the afternoon to try to write. I haven't written anything, like, I can't remember if I've ever written anything decent after, like, noon. Right. It has to be in the morning. For me, it it has to be in the morning, yeah. Interesting. And, okay. And, um, so, yeah, like, I, I also exercise in the morning because if I don't exercise in the morning, it, it doesn't happen. Uh-huh. I find a million reasons for it to not happen, basically. What do you do? In the morning? Yeah. What I got exercise? a whole routine. I wrote about it actually on my blog, so you can check it out, living30.blog. Shame, <laughs> okay. Shameless plug on my own fucking podcast. <laughs> but anyway, um, and so you get mad at yourself. Like if you have a night of drinking, I mean, you still you still drink, right? Yeah. Talk, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, it, it definitely affects your ability to get up, work out, and write, right? Yeah. You get mad at yourself? Yeah, I heard you talking about drinking on another podcast. But another one. It's, it's a big topic for me. I think it is. It's a big topic for a lot of people in their in their thirties because it's sort of like okay, we've been partying f- 
for our entire 20s. Right. It's obvious that there are negative benefits <laughs> from it. And so, you know, people are starting to, I think, at least re-examine their relationship with it. Yeah. Another question I prepared for you is also, you know, especially because you're a fiction writer, there's this, like, at least for me too, there's this whole romanticism associated with being a writer and being and, and being like a fucking drunk. Yeah, like true. Hemingway was it's drunk, true. right? Yeah. And he's amazing. Yeah, they're all drunks. They're all drunks. Yeah. Or heroin addict or worse, right? I mean, yeah. and so I think it's, I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, your relationship with this stuff, if it can enhance creativity. It doesn't sound like it. Your creativity is when you're like sober, fresh, showered, exercised in the morning. That's like the kind of the counterintuitive to yeah, yeah. To alcohol abuse, so, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so yeah, totally agree. Alcohol is like, it's, uh, yeah, it's poison. Like, it's not it's not good for me in any, any way. You just uh, like, you like to party. I can't, I can't, I can't write after half a beer. Right. Not, I, I can't do anything productive after half a beer either, and I'm not drunk, but I get slightly buzzed after yeah, half a beer. same. And it's, I, I could drive a vehicle. Right, because you're like programmed to drive. You're not, a, you know, whatever. I could do things that I've memorized how to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I can't think. Right. And so, like, I would find myself throughout my twenties being at these networking events or something like that, where you're at a networking event, you're talking about business, da da da, da or you go to for drinks. It's part of a business meeting. Uh huh. And I would have a drink, yeah. and not get out of control with it in any way, but even just one fucking beer, and I can't think. Uh-huh. Like I'm social, whatever, but I don't really need that to become social. So I feel like that's why the networking thing is kind of centered around drinks in a lot of ways. But I don't actually need that one beer to become, you know, more, more networky. So the beer only hinders me. The one beer. So you can't write after half a beer either. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I can't. I can't it's hard for me to even read after half a beer. Right. You know, anything of substance. Um, so. And do you use marijuana? Yeah. Yeah. To, to, does that stimulate creativity? Because it actually stimulates creativity for me. Uh, Paranoia I, and creativity <laughs> together. I also, I haven't honestly tried to write when I'm high for a long time. Just because my routine is in the mornings and I'm not waking and baking. Right. Um, but do you, do you think, do you ever have, do you ever get high and have ideas that you then write down in your phone or something like that? That you, something that you want to write the following day yeah so it, I, it, it unlocks a lot of shit right yeah i actually had that last week uh i took some edibles right and uh yeah i had a notebook next to my bed i actually i was like even as i was writing it i was like uh i bet i'm gonna read this tomorrow it's gonna be fucking stupid right well that happens <laughs> but uh actually actually some of it's pretty uh legit right um yeah i have great ideas when i'm high and so, you know, I can't do anything else except my mind runs at 90 miles an hour. Uh-huh. So it, it, I, don't, I don't smoke that much at all, like by any stretch, maybe once a month or something like that. But if I do, what, I'm, what I try to do is actually ritualize it a lot more mm. and have it be, okay, I need a creative boost this week or whatever. And I don't have anything to do for this block of time that requires sort of a, 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 you know, a focused mind. Let's expand my creativity a little bit and, 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 you know, 
get high a little bit and see where it takes me and, and have a, a notebook nearby because uh-huh. I do make a lot of ideas, a lot of which are crap. You read them the next day, they're crap, but some there are some kernels in there that are that are pretty good. Yeah, I think today actually, like I don't know how early you started smoking. I think I probably started smoking weed when I was like 15. Yeah, about the same. Yeah, and I'm a suburban Jew kid, I guess. Yeah, is the middle America. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, when I was a kid, yeah, like you know, blew my mind. Was having like crazy ideas. Was like actually like composing a lot of music when I was high. Like having really profound like growing up moments, like. Uh, visions for a lot you know no one was not too hippy dippy but like and today uh smoking rarely gets me into that state i wonder why it diminishes as you grow older i don't know you feel like your brain just gets crusty and shit like it's not elastic but so i've been i've been a lot more into edibles lately like you can't take them as 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 often but uh um but that kind of gets me into that creative place that you're talking about now. And I don't find that smoking, smoking is kind of, if anything, maybe chills me out a little bit, makes me a little goofy, but I don't get anything profound out of, really out of just, uh, out of taking a few hits anymore. Hmm. And do you ever try anything more psychedelic, like mushrooms or, or LSD? I mean, at least to tap into creativity. Yeah. Um, I've done mushrooms once. Uh, okay, but it's not something that you would use you send me regularly in order to access creative parts of your brain. It's not. Um, <laughs> I've actually got a like a jar of mushrooms in my closet right now that have been there for a year because somebody gave them to me. And honestly, I'm I'm scared uh, at this point. I'm like very very curious about like um, about like getting in like uh, I don't know like ayahuasca or like acid. All this stuff is I'm very curious about it, but. Um, yeah, I'm scared about it. Uh, about it permanently uh, fucking me, like right. fucking my brain. Um, yeah. And I feel like if you if you're scared of that, then uh, that's it's probably going to become a self fulfilling prophecy. It could be, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, in fact, when I hear someone talk, I've heard someone talking about having an ayahuasca trip like a couple weeks ago, and I, like it was pretty mind blowing stuff. And I was like, shit, like. Um, how can I be a writer and not have like been in that alternate plane? Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, uh, the answer is no. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll reverse my stance on that. Drinking. Did we talk about alcohol? Well, we we got into it a little bit, yeah. Um. So I I view marijuana as potentially having some upside. Drinking has all negative. So. Uh. Drink, you know, if if I drink a lot at night, um, which I would never do more than once a week, but yeah, like today, drink two, drink a, I don't know, maybe like four or five drinks last night or something, slept in too late, missed my workout, missed my writing, which happens maybe once every two weeks, every three weeks. Um, it's... Uh, it, it could never become a, like a regular thing I do because I just wouldn't be able to function. But so for me, actually, it can be socially beneficial. Mm. Um, I think maybe I'm a little uh, less naturally gregarious than you. 
Um, you seem like you got. Thank like this, you. I appreciate you it. Like, well, you're you're doing your podcast. We're doing. We're podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of like. But you uh, would describe yourself as an introvert. I think the whole introvert extrovert thing is kind of bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Like ev- like everybody you meet. Everybody like, has both. Yeah. Oh god. You know, I'm kind of like introvert sometimes. I'm also extrovert sometimes. Like that means it's bullshit. Right. Right. You're like, oh, sometimes I like being alone. Sometimes I like being with other people. Right. Like, uh, yeah, voila. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's called being a human being. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I love, I, I'm definitely extroverted. I love being alone. I hate almost everybody that I'm extroverted with. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, but so, so, like, just to wrap up the alcohol thing, I mean, are you bummed that you missed the morning? Like, do you feel like your day is, like, you need to just reset tomorrow or something like that? Or, um, it's a bummer that I, it's a bummer, but it's a bummer that I can allow myself occasionally. I mean, like, you're, I, you're not beating yourself up about it today. I'm not, uh, I would never, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't drink in the middle of the week. Like, uh, if I drink, it's going to be one night a week on the weekend. I take Saturdays off anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I also take Saturdays off. I think um, having a rest day is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably kind of a workaholic like me. Uh, well, but I, have extent, my, I have my own struggles with procrastination. Okay, but if you don't have a day off, then you're just gonna you're gonna feel guilty on that day. Yeah, that you're not working. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, and so if we, if we dial it back to your writing for a second, so you mentioned that you learned how to write a book in those first few manuscripts, basically. Yeah. If you could kind of encapsulate that <laughs> at a very high level, what did you learn and, how, and like what would you impart <clears throat> on somebody? Um, oh, like a, what did you learn? How do you write a book? Yeah, yeah. Because I've heard people, I've had people, I've heard people that say you just kind of, you just write a book. <laughs> I mean, look, there's something to that. Like, people all the time come to me like, oh, wow, like, I'm just so amazing that you wrote a book. Like, I would like to write a book. I was like, okay, then write a book. Just write a book. Yeah. Um, like, that. that's... That, Does it take a year? Does it take less than a year? Um, it takes me... I mean, it's hard to say when it's done, because, like, once you finish, there's, like, editing going around this and that. So, I don't know. End-to-end for palindrome. Well... So palindrome, I think from the time when I started writing it, actually palindrome, I wrote for about three or four months, wrote myself into a corner and started over, and then on the story, yeah, wow, yeah, I just realized I got like I used a lot of the old stuff, but I realized it like it wasn't right, um, and meaning like the story couldn't, there was nowhere for it to go, kind of. Yeah, I just realized like I hadn't. Gosh, I should go back and read that four months worth of work that I that I scrapped, but I just realized like I got into a place that was uh, it wasn't it wasn't where I wanted to go. So I needed to to start over. Had the character be different. Had the story framed differently. Anyway, sorry. Long story short, probably eighteen to twenty four months to write a manuscript, which is fast. Really. Yeah, and in see fact, that's what ama- and that's that right there is. If somebody says, "How do you write a book?" You say, like it's amazing that you wrote a book, and you say, "Well, yeah, just write a book." Yeah. Then they hear the eighteen to twenty-four months every fucking day, 
And I feel like that's where that's where people stop. By the way, I think one of the mistakes I made with the earlier manuscripts that didn't go anywhere is that I rushed them. Really? That I tried to crank them out in about a year and a half, which is, was actually too fast, especially for somebody who didn't know what they were doing. I probably should have sat in it longer. Uh, and I got this weird thing where it's easier for me like emotionally to start something fresh and new than to go back and edit deeply. Um, so, okay, the question was, what did I learn? I, first of all, um, <laughs> I should also say, by the way, that I think that if you took 23-year-old me and told him, like, listen, you're going to write for five or six years and all that shit's going to probably basically go in the trash and then you're going to you would have right. you would have quit already. I don't know if I don't think I would have been able to do that emotionally. Yeah. Uh, like only the only thing that kept me going was the fact that at every given point I thought, okay, now I've got to figure it out, and I'm like, now I'm cooking. Right. Which turned out to be like a really weird form of like hubris and like delusion. Um, <laughs> I guess it's like a really protracted like uh, fake it till you make it. Um, I was married to that. Yeah. Um, so actually today when all people ask me like, what, like, I really want to write a book, like, what should I do? The truth is like, uh, if I read their writing and sometimes I tell people like, listen, it just, I don't think you should like, don't, you're not gonna, you're probably going to spend five or six years at, at the, at this place that you are. Like you should know that you're not going to be able to probably sit down and write a great book on your first try. Right. And so maybe I can save you some time. I gave, I've given, I gave somebody that advice once. They were really pissed off. Um, I don't know. Like, I know what I was like at 23. I was a good writer. Like, I, I, like I can say, even though I trained a lot of crap, like, looking back, like I still was... Like, still had the bones of a good writer. Yeah, and it still took... Um, right. Uh, yeah, there are, like, phenomenal business people and entrepreneurs whose whose first three businesses fail completely. Yeah. I and think... I, and it's funny cuz I see it as a success that they even created the business and had it kind of cooking. Uh-huh. Like I I would look at what you did and see it as like if you produced a manuscript from my naive sort of younger perspective, you you hit the jackpot. Not hit the jackpot, but you succeeded Mm. in something. You created the manuscript. Who gives a shit if it didn't get published? Just creating that fucking thing is much, much harder. I mean, not much harder. I'm sorry. It is very hard. Yeah. It's hard. And so I guess, you know, very high level, I, I tell people, like, the only, like, there's a lot of things I would like to do. Like, I would like to climb, like, Mount Everest. I'm not doing it because... Like, there's other things I want to do more. Right. Like, it's not a good use of my time. Like, I would rather... Well, it's and it's one of those things, another one of those things that you don't just tomorrow fly to base camp and, <laughs> right. and get started. You have to have, you have to chip away at that a little bit too, I would imagine. Right. <laughs> I would imagine... Anything well. worth doing, you have to chip away at over the course of potentially years. Right. So if somebody says, oh, I want to write a book, I'm like, okay, well, are you sure that it's the thing that you want to do the most? Because... That's what it has to be. Yeah. Because if you, because you're gonna have to sit down. I mean, you're gonna just have to put an unbelievable amount of time and headspace into this thing. Let me ask you this: What would you say to somebody 
So you were a good writer who, who had, you know, struggled for years to write this. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who's a bad writer that still wants to write a book? Is that is it possible for them just as it was possible for you? It's just going to be a more of an uphill struggle, or should they not even attempt it because <laughs> they don't have the the core strength required? I mean, like most things, the the actual time you put in is the most important part. Like I have friends who are on the other side of the spectrum. I have a few friends who are, to me, unambiguously more talented than I am, who. Um, like if they if they put the time into writing a book could write something unbelievable and they just they haven't like whether they they kind of want to they don't want to they're not sure they just haven't done it um, for somebody who's a bad writer I just feel like uh, and I have had this conversation with people I'm like look maybe you can do it but it, it just might not be worth it like like, what's the best case scenario? Like, you're gonna struggle so much, like you, like you can potentially never even hit that su- successful milestone. Yeah, like if this is like I, like if it's your passion, it's your passion. So like, who? What am I to say? But like, you know, I'm just I'll just tell like, are you ready to put a decade into something that might not go anywhere? Right. <laughs> and so, I don't know. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about that, maybe that's terrible fucking advice. Because if someone had told that to me, like, hey, you're gonna, like I just said, if you're gonna put in six years, it's gonna go nowhere. Maybe I wouldn't have done it. So maybe, maybe I'm, maybe this is like the totally wrong thing to tell people. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you do, but you do teach. I mean, so people approach you and ask you about this. It's amazing that once you publish a book, people are like, holy shit, give me advice. How do you do that? Yeah. But so you also have an online course. Teaching, I think you say like how to how to write fiction like J.K. Rowling or something like that. Is that just a catchy title? <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's the course is how to write like J.K. Rowling, which is a obviously, I think I think I was banking on people signing up for that course, thinking J.K. Rowling was going to be teaching it. Right. Yeah. Big surprise. Yeah. It's just uh, the internet, man. Yeah. But that's that's what a lot of people are doing to make money these days. Is is I mean, it, it, there, there's the concept that everyone has something unique to share and to teach, and if they can, and you know, it's now more than easier than ever to put a video online and kind of put that out there. Is that why you did that, or you also want to teach? Or I don't know. So that course, like somebody introduced me to Udemy, which is the platform it's on. They're like, hey, like there's a lot of, like what they, they, it's a friend of mine who's like into this stuff. He's like, look, these are the most successful, these are the most successful writing courses on Udemy and they're total garbage. Like I know you could do something better than this. Um, You can like monetize your, your skills and stuff like this. Like I've heard you talk about writing, you can do something good. So I'm like, all right. I'll like invest a ton of time and uh, effort into like writing this course and making it sort of as a, like an MVP. Like I'll test it out, see how it goes. Uh, if if it gets some traction, like I'll, I'll keep up with it. And I made this course like it. It was a pain in the ass. Um, it's kind of fun, but uh, by the way, it actually is going through like Harry Potter and like you know from my point of view, like the things that she did that made. Harry Potter is so great. So it's not a totally misleading uh, uh, name for the course. But yeah, what I've realized is, and I think the course is pretty good, but after I made it, I realized that uh, I'm way 
better and motivated at creating the content than I am at like marketing it, pushing it out there. And I was like, shit, if I want to do this, I really like, I got to go all in. These guys who have crappy content, but are making it are like, they're, this is their full-time job and they're pushing it. And they're like, even if I know, knew what to do, and I feel like I do know what to do, I'd have, this is like a 20 hour week thing. And I just, you know, I only got so much creative energy and I've, this is, so, uh, I stopped, like, I'm like, I'm not going to like go, I'm not going to go, you know, balls into making courses and pushing them. Like, it's just not, yeah. So, uh, that's the story of that course. That's why there's one course up on Udemy. You tried it. It's, it's one of the, you tried it and it's, you know, you don't want to hustle it. You, yeah. know, you don't want to mark, you don't want to like hustle marketing the thing and trying to build it up and get it more successful. Right. I feel like I could quit my day job and like go all in on that. And then maybe in like two years, I'd be making as much as I'm in my day job. In the day job. So yeah. like, and. But the, but the goal is to be able to write for two hours in the morning yeah. and, and feed yourself. Exactly. And if I was, and there's something really nice, by the way, about having a day job where you're working for somebody else. Why? What's nice about that? Because uh, like the writing's all self-motivated. You know, and if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. Whereas there's a real comfort in being like a salaried employee and being like, you know, uh, it's like a, I don't know how to explain this, I'll make myself sound extremely lazy, but like, uh, you know, like someone else is like, someone else is making is this company. you to write. Someone else is oh, making the- this company go. Got you know it. What I mean? It's, it's not, not your like responsibility. A, yeah. Like I'm, I'm staying in my lane, like I'm doing my stuff, but I don't have to put like my heart and soul, like, you know, you're starting your own company, you got to put your entire life into this thing. And there's something really comforting about being like, all right, I got some tasks, like I'll do these tasks. And then, you know, the guys upstairs are going to make this whole thing work. Um, You know, if you're trying to build your own online writing course empire, then it's again, the thing is like, shit, if I sleep in, this thing's not going to work. Right. And that's, uh, I only have enough of that energy in the tank. For for the the writing. Right. When people at, like, when people ask you, what do you do? Yeah. What do you answer? It depends who they are. It depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends uh, which which answer I think is is more. Uh, well, you're on a date, let's say. Yeah. So that's exactly what I was thinking. So it depends if if the girl's super like uh, if she's artsy, then I say I'm a writer. If if she's businessy, you say I work at this such and such company. I'm yeah. an I'm an analyst or whatever you do at the, at this this. Yeah, well, it's honestly, I've, I, I haven't, it's been years now and I haven't gotten, I haven't perfected my, that, my answer to that question. Usually I say, I'm a writer and I also work at a tech company. I'm a writer. Yeah. And I also work at a tech company. Because you are yeah. a writer. Yeah. Because I could get fired tomorrow from my day job. Right. But I can't get fired from being a writer. Right. So, uh, okay, let me, re- usually what I say is that I'm a writer and I also work at a tech company and then depending who the person is. Uh, they either say, oh, which tech company or, oh, what do you write? And that's... And that's how you know where your conversation is headed or whatever. Yeah. That's also, by the way, a very good litmus test for dates. Right. Yeah. You want the person who's going to ask, what do you write? Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. And so you and you also started, I guess, you started to blog again recently. Yeah. Um, you do this list of eight thing eight things of stuff yeah with topics like eight yelp reviews for sex <laughs> i mean why the number eight 
Yeah, why, why blogging? Yeah. I'm just curious. I just felt like seven is too few. Sure. But then nine is too many. Yeah. So, no. Um, this is something I started like uh, six years ago when I was uh, writing garbage. And these started as like my writing warm-ups. Uh, it's like a vocal warm-up or whatever, but for writing. Yeah. And also, honestly, it's like something you can put out there really quick and get a little positive feedback whereas you know the writing's kind of a long cycle nobody's gonna nobody's gonna read it and give me feedback for two years you know so uh so I did this thing I was like really obsessive about it I was like putting up these lists like uh every day for like two years and uh then I just kind of burned out we good on the uh good um uh, and then I kind of stopped, kind of got burned out, but now I'm feeling like, uh, I don't know, part of it is that feeling that I need to be, you know, cranking out some kind of, it's kind of half, it's kind of a half-assed attempt to like, well, cause like, it's, my you're, you're stuff. published. Oh, yeah. it's, it's something different. It's more to promote the, it's sort of like to have an internet presence promoting the Yeah, it's sort of like a half-assed attempt at So that. do you, do you do it in the morning as your warm-up? Like you crank out an eight? Eight, a list of eight sometimes things. if I'm a little pressed for time then I'm not going to take up my real writing time with that and I'll, those I can do in the afternoon okay you know, I don't I don't need I don't need my prime uh, to do that it, it actually that thing made me think of there's this guy named James Altucher he was like I don't know he's made a lot of money and lost a lot of money he was a business guy and an investor da, 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 and then he became an author he wrote a book called Choose Yourself or something. I don't know. I actually don't think I read it. But I know that he has a podcast and he's talked a lot about... I've read his you know blog posts or listened to him talk a lot about this concept of um, coming up with 10 ideas every day. Hmm. Because your, your idea muscle, it, it's a muscle and it needs to be worked. Uh-huh. I don't do this by any stretch. I, <laughs> But 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 it's but it, it reminded me of it, um, where you kind of just pick a topic like ten things you know to improve my living space, and then you just kind of brainstorm because like what that. he says is the first or to improve the world or whatever the hell you want you know but or ten 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 ideas for to use AI as it applies to you know bakeries or something whatever, but the you know he says that the first three ideas are easy. Uh huh. And it, or the first five ideas are easy, but it's the last five that you really have to push yourself and kind of stretch the the muscle a little bit. And so, I don't know, it reminded me of the eight, eight thing, because I wonder how easy it is for you to come up with numbers six, seven, and eight. Yeah, I like that. I like that from that guy. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, do you, do you have a favorite author? Um... It's a good and very reasonable question to ask somebody who writes. Uh, I'm really into uh, Jorge Borges. Jorge Borges. I would say he's been probably my favorite for a while. What is it? What books has he written? He's an Argentinian guy. I think he's long dead. Um, who Jorge Luis Borges? He wrote like pretty much only short pieces. Um, that are so you like short stories it sounds like I actually don't <laughs> that much besides this guy and Isaac Pasheva's singer <laughs> um, I actually really prefer long form stuff but um, but this guy he writes these short things that are like 
halfway philosophy, halfway short stories, and he was like a big hero of David Foster Wallace. Okay. Did you read um, Infinite, Infinite Jest? Jest? I did. I got about halfway through it. So I actually read it twice. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You're probably the only person in the world. Yeah. It is such a big book. And it's about, and it's so confusing and like insane. It, it is, but I actually find it way easier to read than a lot of other stuff. Like, I, I have a hard time reading, like, uh, like older stuff, like uh, like Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't even get close. Couldn't make a dent in it. Like, I'd wake up with it on my lap, like, again and again. And uh, Infinite Jest is long, but I found it really uh, I can't believe you read it twice. Me neither. It was really odd. I didn't Bill Bill Gates, avid reader. It's actually, like, this year he's been talking about it. Okay. Bill Gates... Huge reader. I mean, he reads tons of books every year. He, like, his library is ridiculous. He releases, you know, here are the books, here are the best books I read this year. Uh-huh. And that's like a 15 book long list, which is like a portion of the books that he read that year. And he has been debating for a year whether to even open Infinite Jest because he has this problem of whether he should, like, if he starts a book, he needs to finish it. Uh-huh. And he, I think he has seen some David Foster Wallace interviews or video or like his commencement speech about, you know, this is a fish in water or something like that. I'll link to that in the show notes too. Yeah. But, but, uh, but he's openly debating whether even to begin Infinite Jess and you read it twice. It's pretty hilarious. So I didn't, yeah, I, this is not like, uh, what happened was the first time I read it was in college after I broke up with a girlfriend of about two years and I just sort of plunged my, I just kind of lived in that book. Like, I don't think I would have gone, I don't think it would have happened otherwise. Um, the it would, first it time, would, you were depressed and, and climbed into that yeah, book? Yeah. Did it help? Uh, it, for, it, it passed the two months. Things. It passed the two months. It passed the two months. Um, I just like really like buried myself in it. And the second time, I didn't mean to reread it. I was just sort of like, it's on the shelf. I open it up. Like I remember loving this, and I just started again. And uh, are there other books that you've reread? Not many. Borges, I've read many of his stories many times, and he's these are like really the exceptions. Usually, I can't read stuff multiple times. Borges, um, he's like this master of uh, uh, subtlety and brevity. Like you, like it's it's. Uh, you know, they say this about a lot of, re- of writers, but I really, like, get stuff each time I read it from him. Like, he's got a few stories that I remember where I was sitting when I read them and just, like, having my mind completely fucking blown. Is there an example? Or, or your mind was blown, but, I mean, did it, did it change your life in any way? Uh, it's probably sad that it didn't. <laughs> okay, but, uh, but it, it, it was moving. It changed. It changed. It probably, it probably influenced the way I write a bit. Hmm. Like, he's got these, like... He builds these, like, somehow, like, really psychedelic uh, kind of environments, um, and it's in a very natural way. Anyway, for your, for posterity, if you're putting it in the, in the show notes, um, he's got, a, I think his, his collection, which I like the most, is called Labyrinths. He's really fixated on Labyrinths, um, and that, that was, uh, so that's, that might be one of my, one of my favorite books. Cool. Um, and... I have a, another question that I forgot to ask. Did you ever um, work in journalism? And 
how, you know, I, I feel like there maybe are two tracks of people that sort of get into writing. People that go through the avenue of journalism and people that go through the avenue of, of creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know if it sounds like you're more the creative writing avenue. But I mean, did you ever experiment with journalism? Is it a, a sort of a different path in your head? Uh, I wrote in my high school for my high school newspaper. Well, yeah, you yeah. Know, a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people that get into writing rather, you know, work, that's where they start, right? Yeah, journalism has never had much appeal to me. Do you read the newspaper? I read uh, the no, New Yorker. The New Yorker. I read the New Yorker. Yeah, you know, I read I read the Washington Post, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it feels. If anything, long, I've, you know, long-form journalism like you know, New Yorker, Atlantic stuff is maybe you know, it's very admirable and amazing. But I don't know if I'd be passionate about it the same way I'm creative writing. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a weird, stubborn habit that I have that I have to be uh, autodidactic. And I think um, you know, a lot of people uh, you know do MFA programs like that, and like my my. Uh, my uh, gut is to be like, oh, that's bullshit. If you can write, you can write. You shouldn't go into school for it. That's not that. But it's probably not true. It's probably, I could probably get shaved off a few years by actually like going to classes and actually trying to learn from somebody else instead of stubbornly trying to teach myself. Um, but uh, yeah, no journalism. Uh, no, actually, I guess I haven't taken an English course since high school. Just uh, stubbornly trying to crank, get there myself. Well, you learn, you learn by doing it. Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And uh, do you read anything that isn't fiction? Um. Yeah. So again, New Yorker. Uh, no, but I mean, do you read any books, nonfiction oh, books? Oh. Um. So. The the thing I'm working on right now is fiction, but it's a lot of central centralized about a uh, centralized Jesus. It's uh, centered around uh, artificial intelligence. So I've been reading a lot of uh, nonfiction, yeah, nonfiction in that area. You've been researching artificial yeah. intelligence in order to include it in your in yeah. your book. Yeah, interesting. Um, and are there any? Um, oh, I wanted to ask you what you do in your evening. It sounds like your morning is pretty set. Is, is the evening a lot looser, or do you have some sort of routines in that regard? My evenings are are pretty sad. My mornings are pretty impressive. My evenings are fucking trash. Yeah. Like, uh... You figure out a way to feed yourself and kind of... Yeah, it's it's honestly, like, if, if there's... That's the area of, in my life that needs the most improvement. Like, uh, I, I, I waste a lot of time in the evenings. You can see I got a TV right here. Like, I, you know, I might... You watch TV. I might watch TV. Uh, even, uh... And so do you mostly read before bed, or do, are there other, like, stretches of... Saturday afternoon that you'll you'll read or something. So yeah, Saturday afternoon actually the day that I take off to write. Part of the whole concept is the idea is that then I can kind of refill my uh, refill the tank with reading. Um, so you don't watch TV on Saturday? You try yeah, not try to. Not to yeah. Try not to. It's 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 sad when I use my off day and, and watch any TV. Um, Do you use social media at all? Get sucked into that? Uh. You know, like, you know, I post shit on Facebook sometimes. I post, like, videos of playing piano or something. I waste, yeah. Oh, you're talking about wasting time on social media. Yeah. Um, no, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. 
It's fucking horrible. You hate when you procrastinate. It's not even procrastinate because it's not well, like, because you don't have nothing, anything to do. It just feel, it's 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 valueless. Totally spent valueless. Totally time. valueless. Like Facebook's figured out recently that I've that I really enjoy watching Ultimate Fighting, <laughs> <laughs> which is like it's, it's so brutal. It's like, but uh, yeah, just like you, do you know, ever train any martial arts or anything? Uh, I used to like box just like as exercise, but like not a, uh, you know, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's the best use of my time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, it's it's just it's so it's so sad to like look up and realize you've spent the last half hour you know watching guys beat the crap out of each other. I, I'm more now more than ever. I mean, I, I had a parent die this this year, so it, it's like it's something that you really just start to value your time, man. I mean, I, I think it's something in my 30s. I, I would imagine it's it's. A lot of people, like I didn't think like this when I was 22 or something like that, about how precious a half hour yeah. actually is. But it really is, I, I, you know. So here's my question for you, because this is like the most frustrating aspect of my life. And if you have, because I feel that way, but I'm still wasting the time. Like I also feel like, you know, yeah. As I'm sorry about your, your no, that's okay. By the way. You can but yeah, as we get older, we start encountering death in different ways and you start like realizing you know you start feeling your own mortality more you get that feeling of like geez my time is really precious yeah for me but i'm feeling it in my 30s we're young yeah but it doesn't matter i'm still watching a half hour of fucking guys on ufc like i don't know what to you know what i mean yeah i mean i i think that i one thing that i do think is that those like facebook figured out that you like it it, there, there are thousands of people, yeah. PhDs, brilliant people, <laughs> that are designing this shit to keep you hooked. I mean, it's drugs to some degree, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're it's like you against a thousand people, a thousand PhDs. I mean, they're gonna they're, they're gonna win. Get so, their algorithmic hooks into you. Yeah, they yeah. once they get their hooks in, they know how to do it. And so, and the more it's like the more information you give them, the more they have to go on. So. I mean, I struggle with it too. You have to, you have to set barriers for yourself to even, to not even go near it. Do you do that? Successfully? Like you have a TV in your room, you're gonna watch TV. Yeah. I don't own a TV, and I watch less TV because of it. Right. Right. Um, I don't have like I use Facebook as a communication tool only. There's a Chrome extension that eliminates the news feed. So when I go to Facebook.com and it's hilarious because my fucking fingers are trained to do it. Like I open a browser, I have something to do, right? I'm working, whatever. I have something to do and my fingers immediately go to Facebook.com. And so instead of seeing whatever crap they know that I want to see at the top of my newsfeed, I only see if there's notifications or or, uh, messages or whatever. I have that too. And they got the the circle of supposedly motivating quotes. Oh, really? That one? Is it that one? No, no, no. One? I have a different one, but that's cool. Okay. Yeah, instead of the news feed, they've got a quote about how you're wasting your life. Yeah. Well, that's good. My, my <laughs> friend has a... Um, my friend has a, an, uh, another app on his phone that you can set limits for how long you use these other apps. So it, I like that. It, like he, he only allows himself to use Instagram for 15 minutes a day or something like that. And it's cumulative, I think. So he'll... he'll Check Instagram for two minutes or whatever, but he'll reach this threshold and then it won't let him open it anymore. 
I, I think I'm going to try to do that. It's stuff like that, I think, because they're, I mean, you're not going to win. It's like, it's like trying to win against addicted, like against heroin or something like that when you're like consistently walking into, you know, a den of drugs where there are people shooting up. I, I don't know, something yeah. like that. I mean, it's like, that's what it is. So you, I think it's really got to be something that you, you know, actively bar yourself from even setting foot inside the, Mm-hmm. The room that allows you to do that. It's like the uh, like the Odysseus thing, like the going past the sirens. The sirens that he has them yeah. tie him you up. Can't, you shouldn't even be going past the sirens. Well, you're not going to be able to not go past the sirens because uh-huh. that's the world. So you you got to have you got to have some something external tie you up, I guess. Yeah. Um, are there any quotes that you love? Uh, I was just thinking the other day about uh, a Mark Twain quote, which I'll paraphrased i don't remember exactly how he said it but he said something about how every morning the first thing he does is take a cold shower so and that's like the hardest thing he, like freezing water and he's like and after that the day is all like everything's easier than that you know what that's amazing i never knew that mark twain said that i do that really i swear to god even in the winter even in the winter i don't take a cold eight minute shower or whatever however long my shower is what I do, and I actually wrote a post on this too on living30.blog, is um, I, like, when you turn on the water, even if you turn it on all the way hot, uh-huh. the first 20 seconds are freezing cold. Right. So what I do is I stand under that and then turn on the shower. And so I get a 20-second blast of cold water, even in the winter. Okay. I did it this morning. And it's horrible. Now, there's all this stuff about like the Wim Hof method. Have you ever heard about that? Nope. And how it like, I, you know, it, whatever. It's supposedly good for your body and for, you know, creating your cells have this response to it, whatever. Um, but it's just terrible to do. And so if you can kind of, I, 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 it's like training myself again. Like it's like working the muscle. I, I do it every morning and because there's a lot of shit throughout your day that you're going to have to do that sucks or that feels uncomfortable to do, including going to the gym and whatever. And so it, it's, it, it just is training for that. And you get the, and, and, and you get the relief of the, the hot water after. So it's like, I've modified it. I, I, I think I reasoned it out. Life is way too short to be suffering through cold showers, I think. <laughs> like, a, like a hot shower is so incredible. We're so blessed to be able to even have access to a hot shower. The majority of the world does not, right? right. But I still try to not... I don't waste the, the 20 seconds of water that people let go down the drain. I make use of it, and it, it, it's like, it trains me. So I, I encourage you to try it. I, I, it's, I, I love it. That's great. Um, that's a good quote, though. I didn't realize that Mark Twain said something like that. I hope that I hope that I'm right. I hope that was well, Mark Twain. Well, there's a lot of Mark Twain quotes that are misquoted, so yeah, it, like it sounds about right. Like yeah. any any quote you can't remember, it's probably Churchill. Yeah. Or, um, well, listen, man, I really appreciate you uh, joining me today. Is there anything kind of a final thought or idea that you want to leave me and the listeners with about writing about whatever? Um, or what would you tell 20 year old Effie? Uh, well, um, deodorant. Deodorant? Yeah. I don't wear deodorant. Really? Yeah. I stopped 
five years ago or something like that. Why? It just seems weird to put aluminum in my lymph nodes on a daily basis. They got aluminum free stuff, I think. Or that's what they say. But that's anyway. like, what's the point of putting Tom's aluminum free? Like, if I'm going to go deodorant, I'm going to use like no, a I got heavy, one. I'll heavy show you. Old Spice. Does I'll it show smell you. good? It's a, it's a, Ugh, it smells better than I do. Right. <laughs> I just shower a lot. Like I like I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, okay. Good. So wear deodorant. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Um, well, Effie, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Max. Um, where is the best place on social media for you to be found? If that's a place you like to be found. Uh. I think, uh, well, it's not social media, but my website, easyrinsky.com. So that's E-Z-R-I-N-S-K-Y.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, Effie Rinsky goes by Easy Rinsky. He's currently working on a new novel and a TV pilot. I encourage you all to check out his previous writing, and um, thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Max. Uh, you can visit living30.blog. For more podcast episodes and posts, and thank you everyone for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Make sure to get in touch at living30.blog. Let's make this an unbelievable decade. Until next time, I'm Max Finder, and this is Living 30.